Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. There's a ton of really good college football games going on this weekend. In the ACC, got Clemson at Miami. A big battle there in the ACC. Uh, both teams trying to you know bounce back from di- some disappointment earlier this season. Duke, Florida State. 7.30 on ABC, FSU trying to stay unbeaten in their hunt towards the college football playoffs. And then locally here with UVA traveling to Chapel Hill, North Carolina to face off against the 10th-ranked Tar Heels, undefeated 6-0 on the regular season. And throughout the NFL season, you guys know we go behind B enemy lines, find out the opponent the commanders are facing. Well, now we're going to go behind the enemy lines for... The Virginia Cavaliers' next opponent, the North Carolina Tar Heels, with our buddy Rod Baxley on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Rod? Adam, what's happening, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Are we going to meet up in a few weeks for, uh, or excuse me, on Tuesday for ACC tip-off? We will be, man. Welcome to crossover season. Let's do it. <laughs> it's going to be a ton of fun. <laughs> so you've got to be feeling really good about UNC this year. There was a lot made in the offseason about quarterback Drake May and the team 6-0. and Yeah, obviously we knew Drake was, was going to be really good after what he did last year. But the big question was about the defense. And so far, man, that defense has really turned things around in a big way. You look at what they're doing on that side of the ball. Uh, there's bigger reason that Carolina is six and zero as Drake made at this point. Yeah. So what's been the talk uh, around North Carolina now with UNC being undefeated? I mean, is there talk about an ACC championship, a college football playoff opportunity, or is it just hey, let's take it week by week? Did Rogers drop off? Stub. See if we can get him back on the line. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. So the game is set for 6.30 on Saturday. You can watch it on the CW. Remember, a lot of ACC games this year are on the CW. If you have basic cable, uh, you should have that network. The 10th-ranked Tarn Heels, 6-0, 3-0 in the ACC. Coming off of a 41-31 thriller against Miami, the Cavs, UVA, the Hoos, had, were off last week. So Tony Musket. Some more, cha- uh, some more time to work on that shoulder and make sure he's 100% ahead of this game. Rod, you back with us? Hey, Adam, sorry about that, man. Yeah. My, uh, my fingers uh, <laughs> accidentally hit the, the uh, end button there, so my bad. Yeah. Did you hear my question, though? What's the talk around town right now? Uh, well, as is the case with a lot of North Carolina football fans, in the past, Carolina's not handled success very well, man. I was looking at it this morning. When they have a top 10 ranking going back to 2015, they're 1-4 uh, going into big games. So everybody's kind of waiting for that foot to drop, kind of like it did last year with the four-game losing streak. But I'll be honest, man, it, it seems like this group doesn't have the warts that last season's team did. I, I mentioned the defense earlier. Right now, they have the same amount of interceptions, nine, as they had through 14 games last season. And right now they're one sack away from matching their uh, season total from last season. So it's just been a complete 180 for the uh, Carolina defense, and I think that's a reason why they probably won't fade down the stretch this time. 
I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, it's Rod Baxley with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media, Rod Baxley, covering UNC Duke and NC State for the Fayetteville Observer. And the South's oldest rivalry returns with UVA against UNC, it's, what is it, like the 128th matchup between these two schools here uh, started back in 1982. Uh, I want to get your take on the Tez Walker situation and and what happened for the NCAA to finally approve him and what kind of impact has he made for UNC? Yeah, honestly, man, I think the NCAA finally realized uh, they were in a losing battle if they kept this up because Carolina was ready to lawyer up. They had a couple of heavy hitters ready to go with action if the NCAA didn't change its tune. As far as the NCAA saying they provided new information, from as far as I could tell, Carolina had provided every all the information that was needed uh, from the point this became a problem. So just a terrible look for the NCAA. But over the last two games, you can clearly see why uh, UNC went to bat for this kid. I mean, obviously, you know, good or not, you don't want a kid to be in that situation. But then when you see what he's done on the field, Drake Mays had seven touchdowns over the last two games, zero interceptions. I think he had five passing touchdowns and four interceptions in the first four games. So you can see the Tez Walker impact already as a vertical threat, and uh, it just makes this team even that more dangerous. So UNC top of the ACC, tied with Florida State, uh, 3-0 and in the conference, while UVA near the bottom, 0-2. And it's just, it's just so... It's sad the way the cookie crumbles sometimes in college football. We've been talking about this all week with UVA. They could be four and one or four and two instead of one and five. They should have beat JMU, blew that fourth quarter game, had NC State on the ropes uh, against Brennan Armstrong, had Boston College had that game won as well. So, I mean, it's just crazy the way it happens here. And now they're one and five with not really a winnable game on the schedule. UNC, Miami, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Duke, and then, of course, the rivalry with Virginia Tech. What's been your take on Tony Elliott season two with UVA? Yeah, obviously, a lot of the, the off the field turmoil, man. You can't, you don't know how anybody's going to uh, react after a year like that. It's just, it's just never happened. Uh, so you got to commend Tony for being able to handle that situation. But as far as the football field, you said it, man. I think they had leads in four of the six games, right? So this is a team that could have a winning record right now. And when you look at it, a team that's really got nothing to lose going into Carolina is, I think, a three-touchdown underdog. Those are dangerous squads, man. So if you let them hang around and give them a little bit of hope, uh, you never know what's going to happen when you get into the latter stages of the second half. Yeah, actually lead in five games because they were up 14 nothing wow. against Maryland before Maryland Man. put up 42 unanswered points. And I will say, Maryland's a good program this year. They're coming off of a bad loss uh, to Illinois, yeah. but uh, I wasn't surprised that Maryland was able to defeat UVA. But uh, this matchup here, 6.30 on Saturday, UVA at North Carolina. What's your breakdown for this game, man? Yeah, I, I did it today in my scouting report. I said, if you're Carolina, you want to get off to a fast start, go ahead and take the hope away. Uh, that way, when you get into the second half, you can rest some starters, get some backups there. So I, I just look for the defense to continue doing what they're doing with con- creating takeaways and pressure. And then for the offense, you want to keep it humming, man. You don't want to have any letdowns uh, going into the latter stretch of the second half of the season. So get off to a fast start. Uh, take the hope away, and uh, 
get some uh, good minutes for your backups in the second half or latter stages of the second half to prepare for uh, the next game at Georgia Tech, which has been a uh, house of horrors for Carolina in the past. How has uh, UNC done against not just like defense or teams that run the ball, but UVA is known to do a lot of screen passes, a lot of swing outs to the running back with Paris Jones. Kobe Pace has a lot of pace. They can hand it off to Mike Hollins as well. How has UNC done against some speedy running backs? Yeah, well, you look at the closest game Carolina's had, it was the App State game. And in that game, App State's defense was really – focused on limiting the passing game, making Carolina run the ball. Uh, and then offensively, they leaned on the running attack and the short passing game uh, to get going. So that does seem to be the formula if you want to beat Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But like I said, the out-state game, uh, there's tape out there on how to you know, give these guys trouble. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Rod, always appreciate you taking the time. Fun to talk, uh, you know, football with you. And then I'll catch up with you next week. We'll be talking some hoops. Yes, sir. See you next week, Adam. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. It's AWOD and Stubb. Stubb produces the show. He also filled in, produced an MP on the mic today. It's been a long day for you, Stubb. Yeah, b- big big day on the board for me. I know. Are you going to head home and make yourself a nice, nice meal, or are you going fast food tonight? It might be I might be worth a treat. You yeah. know, some extra hours today and tomorrow I should reward myself. Yeah. Do you have a, a, a favorite local watering hole or a local you know restaurant that you've been going to a ton? Ariana's. Ariana, the Italian place. Yeah. I have gone every week since I've started working here. <laughs> what? And I get is it that got, good? They got like a ten dollars sub. It's a five <laughs> minute walk from my house. I love Italian food. Okay, They're, it's a little, it's a little small local place, so yeah. I like supporting them. Well, we were talking about where you live, and I was like, oh yeah, you're right near Banditos. I, I love that spot. I have been to Banditos twice now. Yeah. And I accidentally just by happenstance, there was a concert going both yeah, times right. <laughs> and no one would serve us. <laughs> they said, yeah, go get a seat. You know, we'll be there for you. And so like the concert's on, the commanders were playing Thursday night and we're, we sat there for half an hour. And no one came. came. To you. So, so you we, haven't had the burrito. So no. So we went to the bar uh, and we were like, can we order? And yeah. they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll bring it out. Yeah. And then they only brought two of our three meals. <laughs> <laughs> I got like, I think I got like an enchilada. I didn't. I didn't know. And then well, we I'll went. I'll tell you, the burrito is excellent. I've had it. I will, times. I will get it. And then yeah. and then we went again, and I could just feel that it was going to happen again. Like they were, they were crowded. There was like two but bartenders. That's, that's the problem with Bandito's sometimes is it's really popular. Yeah. It's got a good it's got a good local crowd that that really likes that spot. Well, we're speaking of food. Uh, I know the audience is getting a little hungry here. It's time for dude food on the fan. Dude food. We're not responsible for the content of this program or anything we say when we're really hungry. Where's my food? Dude, where's my food? The most delicious food you've ever tasted. Yes. How can he piss off a flip-flop? <laughs> he loves food. Dude food. All right, so we should start dude food by thanking the good folks at Blue Bell Ice Cream. Blue Bell Ice Cream is based in Texas. They came all the way out here to Richmond, Virginia today just to have the folks at Odyssey Richmond try some of their new flavors. Now, I had the peppermint ice cream. It was I- delicious. I'll tell you this. I love a pink ice cream. 
Because uh, yeah. I like strawberry. So uh, people sleep on how much the, the looks of your ice cream matters. Oh, it's very important. Right. Yeah. So you got the, what was it called? I got the Christmas cookie. That also looked really good. And that had really a nice good. look to it. Yeah. What that, was it? It, looked, it? it was green. Yeah. It was green and it had some little cookies, had some chunks, had yeah. some colors around. I thought it looked like gingerbread cookies, but you were telling me. They they were Nilla wafer to me. Okay. That's the vibe I was getting from And them. that was a good taste? They melt in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good... Good ice cream. And know. you know ice cream is a big part of my life right now. Oh, uh, I know. And believe me, I don't usually have ice cream before 12 noon, uh, no. but I, I was ready to go back down for some more uh, of the frozen snacks yeah, maybe, that they have maybe at Blue Bell. Yeah, maybe not the best idea on an empty stomach for the day. <laughs> right. So you had the Christmas cookie. I had the uh, pe- Pepper, peppermint. peppermint. And then they had uh, another one down there. They had, what was it? I don't uh, know. Monster cookie dough, I think. And then they had like a... Uh, a cook, just a regular cookie dough. Okay. They've come here several times with always great flavors. They one time brought a uh, Dr Pepper ice cream, oh, which I was loved delicious. That. Anytime they stop by, I know I gotta eat the ice cream. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what time of day. They could come here at 5 a.m. I would eat the ice cream. They were a little early on the jump with the Christmas. Yeah, yeah. But you know <laughs> what? Expected. I bet they sell out before Christmas. Yeah, probably. That, I mean, it just looked really good. And there's something about Bluebell ice cream that. It's the creaminess of it. It's really good. It right? was really good. I, I don't and know it's if i soft. I don't know if I've had it before. Oh, really? And it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I've been. We've been on the Kroger brand. Yeah. You know the cheapo. So it's <laughs> good to have like a nice, a nice, a nice cream. Yeah. There we go. So thanks to Bluebell Ice Cream for uh, for providing some really good dessert for us this morning. And shout out to Kent, one of our awesome sales guys here at Odyssey, for setting the whole thing up. What did you want to bring up on Dude Food? I today? wanted to bring up yesterday. Finish the show. Get in my car. Hadn't eaten. I go, ah, let's get fast food. Haven't gotten fast food this week. Okay. Usually do like once a week. Head you're over. Tur- you're tuning into, turning into the fast food foodie here. Head over to my favorite spot, Wendy's. I'm a Wendy's for lifer. <laughs> and I go because they have such great deals. And I go to get my four for four. Okay. What the is the best, four for four? It's like. It's a, it's a sandwich, uh-huh. four chicken nuggets, fries, and a drink for $4. That's a pretty good deal. The, the best deal in fast is food. It, is it like a burger? It's, yeah, it's a burger. Okay. Yeah, it's a burger. Or a chicken sandwich. You can choose. Okay. You can choose. I go. It's gone. They're no longer There's, doing the it's four It's not for there. Four? It wasn't there. And and not. So they, they slowly were introducing <laughs> the $5 biggie bag, which is just the same thing. <laughs> but it's five, and and I. But it's look, five dollars now. But, but it wasn't even. It was six. It was a six dollar biggie bag today, and they had seven dollar ones too. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness! Well, Taco Bell is in the news, so maybe you need to go to Taco Bell. They've added five exciting new menu items: the cheesy street chalupas, toasted breakfast tacos. I've always said I'm not going to get breakfast at Taco Dude, Bell. Dude, Taco Bell's got good breakfast. Really? Dude, the cin- the cinnamon. Delights yeah, or but whatever that's like they're a called. Dessert, oh my goodness! But I, I don't. Is that you're eating that Look, in the, the morning? <laughs> you're eating that in the morning? Not since college, which is was last year. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst thing at Taco Bell is their ground beef. So anything that doesn't have ground beef that they sell is is worth it to All me. All right, so large nacho, nacho fries are coming back. Are oh, you yeah. fired for that? Fired oh for that? yeah, I went there last week because really? I so saw they were what back. What makes nacho I, fries better than like? McDonald's fries. Would you take McDonald's fries or would you take nacho fries? I would take nacho. I might think nacho fries might be one of the best in the business right now. It's the only one that's seasoned. You really are a fast food food. No other fast food fries seasoned. They are seasoned well and they they toast them up so they're crispy. And you can dip them in cheese. They come with cheese to dip. They're pretty good. I I would personally probably still take McDonald's over the uh, large nacho fries. They also have nacho fries with vegan nacho sauce. I'm out. 
I'm out on yeah, anything that's, vegan. That's no, thank you. I like the meats. Uh, crispy chicken nuggets. How is that not? How is that regular? How is that new? I don't think they have nuggets. Oh, they don't have nuggets. No. Oh, yeah, I guess it's Taco you're Bell. Right, I'm talking about Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. Why did I think I was talking about Wendy's? You got I, Wendy's so on my I, mind too much. I'm always thinking about Wendy's. Yeah. It's I don't trust them. Yeah. I tell you what, I I do not trust a Taco Bell chicken nugget. <laughs> not. But I mean, they they knocked out the fries, and yeah. that doesn't seem like their ballpark. So. So it seems like you you're kind of um, kind of cash conscious here with some of the food oh, decisions yeah, you make. Yeah, pretty much. Do you ever spend money on cookies like crumble cookie? No, not a. I don't really spend money on desserts. Yeah, I That's do. That's not my thing. Uh, I go to Salati Gelasti or Gelati Celesti. I always a, mix up the name. It's right on the corner there. Yeah, on my, Boulevard. with I'm with my parents. Oh, yeah, I'll okay. gelat it up. When your parents have their yeah, credit when, card. when they're there and they take me to Wooden <laughs> Iron and then they want to go to Gelati afterwards, I'm yeah. like, sure, sure. So I told you this before the show. So last night I got a call from my mom at like 8 p.m. All right, and I'm like, what's my mom doesn't usually call me at this time. I'm cooking dinner and she's like, Awad. So annoying. My mom calls me Awad now. <laughs> All her friends call me Awad too, right? I'm, Mom, you should just call me Adam, all right? I'm your little Adam. But she said, I'm in Richmond. We had a some kind of a lawyer convention. There was attorney. There was something. You know, she's a big shot lawyer in D.C. There was some kind of uh, convention in Richmond. Yeah. So uh, she was there. All of her friends afterwards went to Get Tight Lounge um, to go out for drinks. And uh, she said, I'm going to go visit my son, right? So she came over. I took her out to Pinky's for a drink. Okay. Pinky's is really fancy. Yeah. Great fancy spot. Uh, we had a couple really nice cocktails, and uh, I said, you know what? I could get an appetizer. So we got the meatballs. The meatballs. The meatballs. Love the meatballs. One issue, and this is an issue I have with many restaurants now, not just in Richmond, but all over the country. All right? We talked about the term yesterday, funflation. Funflation. I'm talking about breadflation. What happened to good old-fashioned bread being served, especially when we get an appetizer like meatballs? I had to ask for the bread. They you didn't bring to, you the bread? No. And I've gone to several restaurants now, and the, the, the bread is on the menu for like 2 or $3. No way. Yes. No way. Bread is, in 2023, Who's bread gonna is buy not that? free anymore. Who's going to pay for bread? People like That's... myself that are carboholics. I need the bread when I'm going to dip something. When when Mexican restaurants start charging for chips, that's when you know America has turned <laughs> for the worst. <laughs> well, they're already charging you for bread in a lot of places. I mean, it's just... It's so frustrating because I used to fill myself up on bread, you know, yeah, and then, then you can get you don't have to get an app. Yeah. You can get like you can pick anything. You don't have to get something that's that's filling. Yes. You got the bread. Yes. In 2023, you have to either ask for bread or pay extra. And they don't just offer it to you anymore. Next thing, it's going to be charging extra for ice. This world sucks. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. You, you know what you have to do? You get, you got to learn how to cook yourself and be a chef at your own house. Groceries are so expensive. Like, I, there's nothing cheap anymore. No, I know. I, gotta, I go to the grocery store every time. It comes out to $78. Every 78. single time. It's yeah. too much. And then, buying... I, and then I go home and I'm like, I don't want to cook any of this stuff. I leave it in the back of in the back of my fridge. Yeah, that's pretty good. 78 That's not bad. for. I'm I mean, probably... how often do you go? Once every week and a half, two that's, weeks. That's not bad. Yeah, that's well, not bad. You should see. I'm I'm not just cooking. You know, I've also been yeah. going to Don't Look Back and Suboka, all the other taco places in town. But I don't get tacos anymore. I yeah. get burritos. I when I DoorDash here, yeah. Don't look back every time. I've DoorDashed 
for them so often. Really? Yeah. They well, they love they, my they service. stay open late and what are people you, are you looking at the order people are getting? They're getting a lot of tacos, right? Yeah. Obviously. Oh, I always look at the people's order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I delivered Do some you judge Scooby- people's oh, order. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, let, delivered, me hear, let me hear one of your judgy orders. Here. I delivered a twelve pack of Scooby Doo donuts yesterday. Scooby Doo? Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo donuts. Scooby Doo donuts and Krispy Kreme. Okay. That was a good one. And I wanted to say <laughs> Wanted to say that that I don't know if it's the AWOD army, but I got tipped good yesterday. Really? I got tipped good. Because we talked about that yesterday. I'm not a good tipper on DoorDash apps. I, I'm I'm upset with the delivery fees that are already making my damn payment way too much. And so uh, I'm not a good tipper, but I, I told my listeners, if you see Christopher or Stubb delivering for you, tip him well. And what yep. kind of tip did you get? Ten bucks on a Don't Look Back wow. delivery. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a fifteen dollar order. I know. It yeah. took like seventy percent. They, they, they just got like a dia and some tacos. Oh my goodness! I was cheese. And did you deliver it? Cheese. Did you deliver it to the door? Yeah. And what would they well, look was, like when they, they opened they the door? Were, they were on Monument. Uh huh. So like, not oh. hard to get to the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did a I did a dorm delivery. Those are always weird. Oh really? Yeah. For Dude, VCU. Yeah, VCU dorm. Oh my god, that must At be a the, rich student. I was not doing delivery apps. I was yeah. going to raisin canes. Back, back in the back in the Berg, I did a couple couple dorm deliveries really? those are always annoying so do you parking. have to get like swiped in yeah i like i, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> i'd like kind of stood at the door and then someone walked in so i walked in and, and they're like, like the, man you're kind of tall for a freshman there's a lady at the front desk i this is how tall i was as a freshman <laughs> I, I wasn't growing in college oh that's a good story i'm adam epstein you're listening to a wide radio here on the new sports radio 910 the fan now at 105 1 fm if we missed any local food news here on dude food you can always tweet us at 910 the fan at AWOD Radio or call in. Phone lines are open 833-804-0910. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home for VCU basketball. The best damn sports talk here in town. Of course, I cover VCU a ton on this show now that it's October, and then once we get rolling into November, we'll talk VCU every single day on these airwaves. You can call in 833-804-0910. I want to give a big shout-out to all of Ram Nation for checking out our podcast, the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Episode 18, the final episode of Season 1, is over 400 downloads And last night, we just debuted Season 2, Episode 1, talking about the black and gold game, going through some A-10 predictions, and of course, talking about the impact that Ryan Odom will make here in Richmond. It's also secret scrimmage season, so we broke that down on the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, and Odyssey. Just search Black Gold Fan Pod. And you can check it out. It's me alongside Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. We're all diehard VCU fans. A few of us were season ticket holders going back to their childhood. So uh, really informed on all things VCU basketball. And it's a ton of fun doing this podcast every single week. And speaking of VCU, it's time to go inside the Ramhorns. It's time for Inside the Ramhorns. Every Thursday at 2 p.m., AWOD will be joined by a coach, player, or member of the front office for VCU basketball. Inside the Ramhorns. An inside look at the VCU Ram basketball team with Adam Epstein. Thursdays at 2 p.m. on AWOD Radio.
And this week, our interview on Inside the Ramhorns is Zach Joaquin, VCU beat writer for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. What's going on, Zach? Hey, Wad, what's up, man? It's good to hear from you. Thanks so much for uh, for having me on. I'm sorry I'm not a, a coach player or a member of the front office, though. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is down a step interview wise for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're as insightful as anybody uh, in the building with VCU, and you've done a great job taking over the beat for Wayne Epps. I'm looking forward to reading all of your game recaps this season. So, 810 Media Day in Brooklyn. Uh, the guys were on the Field of 68 podcast. They spoke at the press conference, Ryan Odom and Zeb Jackson. I mean, did you have any takeaways from 810 Media Day? I thought it was kind of poignant that Zeb was the player with Ryan, right? Um, he's obviously stepped into a prominent leadership role here. Um, as I believe the the leader in terms of points scored uh, and minutes played last year, who's returning to this roster. Um, and we all saw over the off season, you know, that he was kind of at the center of the cultural continuity here um, for, for VCU. And so I thought it meant something that, that he was the player that was there taking questions with Ryan. He was asked about his leadership role. He's one of three captains this year, uh, along with Max Shulga and Sean Bear. So, um, and so that stood out to me that Zeb has really stepped up um, in terms of his role for this program off the court. Um, and then Ryan was asked about, you know, BCU culture and, and continuity over the years and kind of mixing his playing style with what already existed at BCU. Um, and, and we've touched on this over the off season. You know, he talked about, being kind of blown away by the former VCU players who spent so much time with the Basketball Development Center over the summer. Um, and I know that he spoke with David Teal, my colleague, um, about this over the summer as well, about how important it is for him to continue the VCU basketball culture that was very much in place before he got here. And, of course, he's going to put his own spin on things. There's been a lot you know, of talk about his offensive playing style and getting up more threes and playing fast and, and, and ball movement and spacing and all of these things. But I think that one of his priority orders of business was continuing the cultural fabric in the basketball community that already exists at BCU, and that's so strong, and that's the reason that you see those guys coming back in the offseason. So that's what stood out to me was, was Ryan talking about that and how important that has been for him in taking over this program, um, in addition to Zeb stepping into that really prominent leadership role that I think we'll continue to see him play throughout the season. Zach, last Saturday we got our first look of some live action in the black and gold game. A few of my friends said they should have called it the black and white game because uh, they were wearing yeah. white jerseys instead of gold. But uh, my, I think some of my biggest takeaways, I thought Joe Bamisil was dominant. I was really impressed with the three-point shooting from Shulga and from Jason Nelson. And it was an interesting battle down low between Roosevelt Wheeler and Christian Furman. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from the black and gold game? Well, the colors kind of annoyed me a little bit as well. I know they're the jerseys that they wore in Greece, but I, the women's scrimmage was right before, and they did wear black and gold. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, I was having to mix up my terminology in the story. I didn't know whether to call them the gold team or the white team. <laughs> so if we could fix that moving forward, that'd be great. No, but it was, it was really fun, man. It was great to be back in the stew. It was cool to see the video boards with the stats displayed throughout. That was a, a little thing that I noticed and really enjoyed, which are obviously new this season. Um, Kuwani really stood out to me, yeah. um, really being, you know, first game action for him um, and how he's going to operate in Ryan's system. My goodness, he moves like a guard um, and spent a lot of time out at the perimeter. I think if, if anything, if there was a critique of him that, you know, I heard coaches asking him to maybe get into 
the paint and crash the glass a little more. Um, but because he doesn't look like, uh, you know, he looks like he moves like a guard out there and, and is very much going to be a versatile four that's going to operate on the perimeter for this team and get a lot of shots up. Um, I really liked what I saw from him. The shooting stroke looks good. As you saw, as you said, Jason Nelson um, was really good on the catch and shoot. Um, fun to see him get a little bit more freedom maybe in, in Ryan's system. I know that that was part of the reason that he came to BCU and wanted to play for Ryan was with the offensive freedom um, and fluidity in that system uh, with the spacing and, and getting open shots up. Uh, the battle down low was fun um, between Rose and Firm. Um, I think two guys that are going to be asked to, to do a lot of the dirty work in the paint this year, right? Rebound, block shots. Um, and, and they very much did that. And they kind of canceled each other out a little bit. And Ryan talked about that, that they're going head-to-head all the time in practice. It, was, it sucked that we didn't get a chance to see Toby. Um, I know everyone was really excited for that. He's dealing with a concussion right now. Um, from what VCU Athletics said, took an elbow during practice and, and had to get stitches above his eyes. So he's in concussion protocols. But all indications are that he's going to be good to go for the beginning of the season um, when they tip things off against McNeese State on November 6th. And so everyone's still looking forward to seeing Toby and much has been made of his offseason development. Um, and then Max and Sean as well, um, you know, that – the confidence that they have in Ryan's system and the familiarity with playing the brand of basketball that he wants to play, um, both, as we said, captains and, and really stood out. And I thought played well in the black and gold game. I wanted to see what Sean's positional versatility was like, because yeah. much has been made of that. He's been listed as a, a guard, listed as a forward. He's really a, a huge guard who it seems, you know, in a smaller lineup could play the four, but he operated on the perimeter as well, right? 57% from three. Um, for the black team, 40% for the white team. And so that's awesome. I'd imagine that Ryan was really happy with that coming away. And I thought we saw the aesthetically pleasing, you know, brand of offensive basketball that we all expected. And, and that was fun to watch. And the black team started off hot. Um, and then the white team made it a close one at the end. And we got an exciting finish down the stretch. Zach, we gave out our predictions for our starting five on the podcast last night, Black and Gold Fan Pod. This is Inside the Ram Horns with Zach Joachim. He's the... Richmond Times-Dispatch, VCU reporter. Follow him on social media, Zach Joachim. Read his work, richmond.com. I'm wondering, what's your prediction? What does your starting five look like for the Rams? Zeb, Max, Sean, Kalani, and Toby Yeah, um, is my expectation. Um, obviously, if Joe is eligible, then that changes things up a great deal. As you said, he looks great. Um, was probably the most aggressive offensive player on the floor. Um, the guy who was looking to get the ball in his hands and attack and score. Um, and so that was a little bittersweet, right, because the expectation is that he's not going to be there. Although I know we talked to Ryan after the game, and, and it seems that he's holding out some hope that Joe's appeal could be successful. Um, I don't know if that door is closed, but it seems like people in and around the program are still have some hope that he could play this year. That would be a great addition. But without him, I, I think those four, um, based on what, everything that we've heard and haven't seen yet, but everything that we've heard about Toby's development over the offseason, I think he's going to be the starting five. Again, I really liked what I saw from Kwani um, and his versatility and ability to space the floor. Um, really strong shooter at, at, at his length. Um, and then I think those three captains, that tells you a lot about what Ryan thinks about those guys placed in his program. I don't see either Zeb, Max, or Sean coming off the bench unless maybe Joe is eligible. Um, and then Ryan might have to make a call about what, you know, the, the size he wants and the, and the complexion of the starting five wants to be if he wants to try and fit Joe in there and sit one of those guys. But right now that would be my expectation um, with Zeb and Max in the backcourt, 
Sean as kind of a versatile three. Kawani as a really versatile four that's going to operate on the perimeter. And then Toby as your five. And, and Zach, we haven't talked much about the international product, Michael Bell. I think he's ready to play at the A-10 level uh, right now uh, with his rebounding and his defense. I think his offensive game will come along. And even though he hit 50% from three, it just it didn't look like that smooth of a jump shot right now. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be working on that a ton throughout the season. But defensively and rebounding, my goodness, this guy can really play at this level. Yeah, only took the two threes, right? So not a very big sample size there. But five rebounds, seven points tied for the lead um, in steals with three. He had three, Joe had three, and Kalani had three. So those guys were all really active defensively. Uh, Michael Bell is super ambidextrous. That was the thing about his skill set that stood out to me that we heard about a lot in the offseason, that he can drive with the left, finish with the left really comfortably, and that he doesn't really display a dominant hand one side or the other. And I really saw that. And it seems like he'd be a tough guy to match up with and guard um, had a really pretty spin move and finished with the left kind of in the post um, uh, getting down into the paint and doing some scoring down there. So really versatile offensive skill set. Absolutely. He looks, uh, he looks poised beyond his years. Um, he did not look like a freshman. He looks like a guy who's ready to, to come on and contribute um, on both sides of the ball right off the bat. We've got a caller. Let's go to line one, Patrick in Richmond. Patrick, you're on the fan with AWOD. AWOD, what's up, my man? How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm just I'm hyped to talk of VCU basketball. Uh, I was at the black and gold game, and uh, I, was, I had a I had a proposition for you. Okay. <laughs> if if uh, Ryan Odom's son Connor Odom hits a three first game against uh, I think it's McNeese State. Okay. PBR's on me. Let's go. <laughs> I'm hyped, I'm hyped for the year. Hey, good call, Patrick. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll let Zach answer that, man. What do you What do you think? Are we going to see Connor Odom this season? I hope so, man. I think so. You know, uh, three minutes and, and, and 19 seconds of playing time in the black and gold game, right? They've got the Mars Hill exhibition coming up here. Um, but, I mean, if Joe's not eligible, then this rotation is a little shorter mm-hmm. uh, than I think Ryan might have planned for in the offseason, right, with Jacob Patrick leaving the program as well. And so, yeah, I could, I could certainly see Connor getting some playing time, man. Um, from what I saw in, in warm-ups and a little bit throughout the game, he can certainly shoot it. Um, and so I would not be surprised at all if he contributes off the bench for this team. Zach, great stuff, man. I appreciate you chiming in. Hey, well, I do the best. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Yep. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910. If you enjoyed that VCU basketball conversation and you want more, Ram Nation, you want more, we hear you. We've got the Black and Gold Fan Pod, new episodes every week, available iTunes, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. All right, so every single week on AWOD Radio, you know, a lot of shows around the country, they're all talking NFL all the time. And, and we're going to do a ton of NFL coverage, but I like to do a little bit different NFL coverage. Most shows, they focus on the quarterback. They're going to focus on the wide receivers, the running backs, the touchdown leaders. On AWOD Radio, we talk about the sack leaders, the pass rushers, Guys that get after the quarterback, all-out blitz every week on AWOD Radio. We'll tell you who the best pass rushers are in the National Football League here on All Out Blitz. This is the All Out Blitz on AWOD Radio. 
throughout the NFL season, we track the sack leaders, the game changers, the unstoppable. Who will be the NFL's best pass rusher this season? Find out on the All Out Blitz. All right, so the top pass rusher in the National Football League right now in terms of sacks is Daniil Hunter for the Minnesota Vikings. Although the Vikings have not been good this season, he has been able to attack quarterbacks eight sacks. He also has 32 tackles, including 11 tackles for losses. Number two, and he's at the top of most people's charts here in terms of pass rushers, that's T.J. Watt. When he's not sacking the quarterback, he's picking up fumbles. He's got three fumbles recovered. He's forced two fumbles on the season, tied for first in the NFL with eight sacks, including seven tackles for losses. Third place, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack has seven sacks. He got Five of those in one game. He has six tackles for losses, but also two forced fumbles to help out that lousy Chargers defense. Uh, Also with seven sacks, Trey Hendrickson, been really good for the Cincinnati Bengals. Helped them, you know, come back to life a little bit. Joe Burrow was hurt and the offense was struggling. Well, the defense took care of a lot of teams there. And uh, Cincinnati's coming off of a, a really decent win against the Seattle Seahawks. And Wentz Hendrickson had a sack and a half, so he's got seven on the year. Josh Allen, also tied for third. Not Josh Allen, the quarterback. Josh Allen, the pass rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Seven sacks on the season, 21 tackles uh, total, including six for loss. Leonard Floyd with six and a half. He's been the pass rusher for the Buffalo Bills. He wreaked havoc on the commanders when they faced off against Washington. He's been really quick to get after the quarterback. That's something that we should also track on all up blitz here. How long does it take for these guys to get the sacks? And talking about fast pass rushers, maybe no one faster than Hassan Reddick with the Philadelphia Eagles. He explodes off the line. It seems like he's always using a speed move because he's undersized rather than power to get around right and left tackles. He's got five and a half sacks for the Eagles on the season. Chris Jones, who missed week one for the Chiefs, has five and a half sacks. He's also tied for seventh place. Miles Garrett. And and Miles Garrett might be the best defensive player in the NFL right now when you take note and notice that opposing teams are having multiple tight ends. At least one, sometimes two. Get a hit on him off the snap to force him to go a little wider to get after the quarterback. Uh, we saw week one and week two, he was using Euro steps. He's been a really talented pass rusher throughout his career, but it seems like he's taking his game to the next level this season with five and a half sacks. Max Crosby's been a dominant pass rusher since he was a rookie for the Vegas Raiders. He is a bulldog. It's so much fun to watch him get after the quarterback. I'll say this about Max Crosby. Even when he doesn't get sacks, he finds a way to hit the quarterback, right? Even if we've got rid of the ball already, he's going to find a way to knock your shoulder, to tap your chest, just make you know, hey, Max is coming for you. He's mad Max for the Raiders. Nick Benito with... Five and a half sacks for the Denver Broncos. Morgan Fox, so you've got two pass rushers for the Chargers. That's why this team has been in every game. The offense struggles at times and lets them down, but the defense has been strong. Like I said, they're 2-3, and three, but they could easily be undefeated on the season. Then you've got Micah Parsons just outside the top 10. He's got five sacks on the season. He's got a ton of QB pressures. It seems like he's always in the backfield. He had the game-changing sack uh, this past weekend against the Chargers 
on one of their final on their final drive of the game. He came through on third down. Montez Sweat makes the top 15. The pass rusher for the Washington Commanders, four and a half sacks on the season. I believe Chase Young's at two and a half sacks. So they've been really good at rough, rushing the passer. You had Casey Tuhill get a couple sacks this past weekend for the Commanders. I'm hoping that either Montez Sweat or Chase Young can break into the top 10 over the next three weeks. Next, we look at not just the sack rushers here, but also who's getting to the quarterback, right? How is PFF grading your defensive performance? And the top three, based on pro football focus, defensive ratings have been Dexter Lawrence of the New York Giants. He's been unbelievable. 6'4 out of Clemson. When he was drafted in 2019, you knew he was going to be an impact player. And uh, I think he fell off a little bit last year. He's back to getting after the quarterback this year. Of course, you know, you can't do a list talking about pass rushers and sack leaders without mentioning Aaron Donald. He's PFF's second rate, uh, highest rated defensive player with 90.6, number 99 for the LA Rams, picking up right where he left off last year. He just keeps his body in incredible shape. And my goodness, I, I, it's like a Mack truck coming at your quarterback. Good luck trying to defend him, centers and guards around the NFL. But the number one ranked pass rusher, according to Pro Football Focus, is Jalen Carter, the rookie for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, three guys that are honorable mention, Nick Bosa, Still having an unbelievable career and doing it again for the San Francisco 49ers. Demarcus Lawrence, number uh, another honorable mention for the Cowboys. And then Miles Garrett, according to Pro Football Focus. Every week on AWOD Radio, we give out AWOD Certified Game of the Week. Every week, I guarantee that football fans around the country will enjoy this game. I'm talking about usually a high-scoring game, a game that comes down to the wire, uh, a really competitive matchup every single week. So it's time for AWOD Certified Game of the Week. This is AWOD Certified Game of the Week. Officially recognized as the NFL game this weekend that is certain to meet the qualifications or viewing standards set by football guys around the country. Touchdown! 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 Diving for the left pylon. He's in for the touchdown. Guaranteed to be a football guy's football game. All right, let's review the tape here. Week one, I went with the Jets against the Bills, the most watched Monday night football game in the last 10 years. Yeah, that'll do. Give me a win for that one. Chiefs at Jags. I mean, that was a rematch of a wild card matchup from last year, a playoff battle. I thought it was going to be a good one again. Uh, I'll take the L week two. All right, I missed that one. Week three, Commanders, Bills. I said, oh, the Commanders took the Broncos to overtime. We're 2-0 and uh, against the Buffalo Bills. That has to be the certified game of the week. The Bills came to play, not the Commanders. 37-3, loss for Washington. I'll take the L week three. Week four, bounced back. Dolphins against the Bills. Even though it didn't go down to the wire, it was still a really fun, high-scoring game with the Bills uh, defeating the Dolphins, giving them their first loss of the season. So I'll take the win week four. Week five, Eagles-Rams was my certified game of the week. I thought the Rams could possibly pull the upset. It was a low-scoring battle, a defensive battle, but a highly entertaining game. The Eagles came away with the win. I'll give Awad the win for that one. Week six, I said th certified game of the week has to be the 4-1 and Detroit Lions facing off against 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I expected the Bucs to win that game. The Lions won that game with ease. So I will take the loss there in week six. We move over to week seven. And I've already given out a few three-star games, all right? So my three-star games for this week are the Lions-Ravens, right? Five and one Lions against the four and two Ravens. Obviously, you're going to uh, look at the Sunday night game, Dolphins-Eagles, 5-1 and one Dolphins against 5-1 and one Eagles. And then I also threw out a few other decent matchups, like Steelers-Rams should be a good one. Uh, but my, my pick is in. AWOD certified game of the week for week seven in the National Football League. I'm going to go with... The Detroit Lions traveling to M&T Bank Stadium to face off against the Baltimore Ravens because this is defense meets offense. Jared Goff already over 1,600 yards, 11 touchdowns on the season. Amon Ross St. Brown and David Montgomery, even though he just got hurt, have been incredible for that Lions offense. They are 3-0 on the road. The Ravens, a little bit of a struggle, all right? A little bit of a struggle offensively with Lamar you know, some rust, Odell Beckham in and out of the lineup, Mark Andrews not nearly as good as he has been in previous seasons, but that Baltimore Ravens defense led by Roquan Smith, they get after the quarterback. I should have mentioned the Ravens in all-out blitz, AWOD certified game of the week, guaranteeing that football fans around the country will enjoy this game is Lions at Ravens. Don't go anywhere, don't change that dial. We'll go around the NFL with Nick Ashew coming up next.